Good morning, good morning. I'm just, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know if anybody was going to show up to church this weekend because there was a chance of snow tomorrow night. I'm so proud of you guys. I really am. I mean, you should be at Walmart. You should be buying all the bread, all of the milk up, right? Because we have one to three inches maybe tomorrow night, okay? So I am glad you guys are here. What, what is it about Oklahomans? Like Oklahoma, you know, chance of snow, we button the hatches down, right? But a tornado, we grab our lawn chair, sit in the yard, right? Whatever. It's like, here we go. But I am glad you guys are here today and uh, excited about today's message. I did want to give you guys a little bit of our, I mean, we're entering the holidays, right? This is officially, anybody got your Christmas tree up already? Anybody? All right. All right. I see you. I see you. Uh, But we are entering the holiday season. Um, So Thanksgiving is not next week, or this, this week, I guess, depending on when your week starts. Mine starts on Sunday, uh, and so most of ours does. Uh, but next week is, our, um, is Thanksgiving, and so all the fellas, you can start off the, the week of feasting by coming to the men's breakfast this, this coming Saturday, uh, but then um, that, that next week, we're actually, Thursday, we'll be Um, Thanksgiving, our church offices will be closed. There'll be no prayer that week um, because we are preparing ourselves to give thanks. Amen, everyone. And then the next Wednesday after that is our Freedom Night. Now, we're super excited about Freedom Night. Uh, We mentioned it on the announcements. Our friends, Jesse and Caitlin Reeves, will be here leading worship with us. And so we're excited uh, about them uh, being a part of this experience with us. And then here's what I'm encouraging everybody to do, all right? If you need a miracle, you need prayer in your life, and we'll have several stations across the room on Freedom Night where you can receive prayer from our trained staff. Our staff has been trained. They know how to pray. They're, we're expecting miracles to happen that night. And to prepare your faith, I would encourage you, if, especially if you're already considering Uh, receiving prayer that night is to go back and re-listen to the last three last Wednesday night services. The Lord has had us on a faith journey. He's been building our faith in the area of miracles, of believing Him, of of expecting. And so if you are, you know, if you've missed those uh, last Wednesdays, go back and listen to them again. They're all available on our website and on our YouTube channel. Super excited about that. December the 23rd, so I'm all the way in December now, will be our Eve Eve service that we have every year. And, uh, and then Christmas this year is actually on Sunday, so all of our weekend services will be on, online only that weekend. So we give the Dream Team off. They can go celebrate with their families. Um, and then there will be no last Wednesday on December the 28th. So lots of stuff there, but I did want to be the one to tell you that's kind of our feel right now. Um, That's what we're planning for. Listen, we're expecting some good things in this holiday season. Can I have an amen? Amen. Today, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 25. If you're new with us, um, this is, I don't know, part 7 or 8 in a um, series that we've entitled Sunday School. So a lot of us grew up in church. We were a part of Sunday School. We heard a lot of these stories. And we're we're trying to um, encourage you not just to assume you've heard the story and you know, it doesn't apply to my life, but actually re-watch or read the story again and see how it applies to my life today. And some of us never went to Sunday school, so some of us, we're hearing these stories for the very, very first time. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, 
we're going to look into the life of a lady named Abigail and see how her life can affect ours today. My hope is this series is in some way encouraging all of us to be Bible readers. Again, we don't want you to just, you know, come to church. This is your only engagement with Scripture. Um, We actually are are hoping that the stories encourage all of us to actually get into that word, to read it for yourselves and see how the Holy Spirit wants to apply it to our lives today, especially today. Like when some of you, I I just mentioned the word Abigail. You have no idea who I'm talking about. She was in the Old Testament, key player, actually one of David's wives. Not in the beginning, but it's how it ended up. And so be careful how you look at the Word of God. Every time you open the Scripture, be careful how you read it. We're never just going to punch a clock when we, okay, it's devotion time. Pump, pump, we, we punch the clock, we read, okay, I'm done, pump, pump, on with my day. Right? We don't want, we don't want to treat church that way. We don't want to treat God that way. We definitely don't want to treat, you know, His Word that way. In fact, Luke chapter 8, verse 18 says, consider carefully how you listen. In other words, I can, I can prepare my guts out for this weekend's message, but if, if you would rather be someplace else, or if your mind and heart is someplace else, then there's really, you're not going to get anything out of this today. But if you're careful on how you hear, if you're careful, in other words, you're paying attention to what the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. There's been several times I've been out in, the, out in the lobby after service and someone's come up to me and they've said, oh, pastor, when you said that point, man, this is what it ministered to my heart. I didn't say that point. Like, it wasn't even in my notes. I went back and listened to the recording. I didn't say it. How did they hear it? It's what the Holy Spirit was ministering to them in the moment. Amen, everyone? And I would encourage you, as you look across these scriptures, if you're using the version, highlight it. If you're signed in, you can highlight scriptures. And then you can push on it, and it'll give you a place to add notes. So you can take notes about what's going on in your life, how the Lord's speaking to you in these areas. You know, in Mark chapter 4, 24, Jesus said this. He said, consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use it will be measured to you. That's a, that's a fancy way of saying, you're going to get out of this what you put in it. Yeah. You're going to get out of this what you put in it. Amen, everyone? Amen. I, I'm, I'm not just here. I, I don't get my messages delivered to me in the mail. Like, I pray, I listen, I hear God, and I, I really believe this is a right now message for the people of your place, church. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding. Father, you said in your word that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. So, Father, I thank you for freedom today. I thank you that I'm led by your Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you that you're ministering even beyond the notes, even beyond what I say to every single person who's here, every single person who's watching online. Father, I thank you for orchestrating and leading this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you, I mean, it's the holiday season. Have you ever been in a parking lot and you try to merge out into traffic? 
I don't know if you guys shop in Tulsa or not uh, during the holidays, but it is, it is, a, it is a madhouse in Tulsa. Uh, you, you're kind of, you're trying to like, come on, let me in, let me in, right? You got your signal light on, trying to merge into traffic. Uh, we can use a little bit more current example. I mean, anybody ever gone to a football game, high school football game, trying to get out of that parking lot at the end of the day or at the end of the game is like crazy. And you're just, you're trying to inch out and everybody wants to get out. And then you have that one person who just stops and kind of blinks their lights at you or, or waves you in. And you're like, yes. There is a God, and he's obviously a Christian, right? And so, and you pull out into traffic, right? You have this, you have this feeling inside of you to, to give them a courtesy wave, right? Thank you. Oh, it's about time. And then if you're not, if, you know, if you're, you know, human, there is something on the inside of you says that I need to pay that forward. And so you get to the next, you know, lane of traffic coming out, and you're stopped. You pause, and you let a guy out, Right? Well, that feeling is, is actually got a term to it, and it's called the law of, let me see if I can say it right, um, I think it's, it's called, uh, you're saying it, you're all whispering, I can hear you, reciprocity, Recip, recip that's it, reciprocity, is that, I got, I'm, I'm getting people, the law of reciprocity, which says, if someone does something good to me, I almost feel obligated to do something for them, right? Yeah. You know, you know you're, you've got a party coming on, you know, and, and you realize that your neighbors down the street invited you to their party, so you kind of feel, you know, obligated to kind of invite them to your party. Um, you get a Christmas card. Does anybody still send Christmas cards? Okay, good. Good for you. Good for all of you. My address is, never mind. Um, but you feel obligated, don't you, too? Like if, even if you haven't seen them or heard from them in years, if all of a sudden you get a Christmas card from somebody you kind of have this feeling that you need to put them on your Christmas card list and send them a Christmas card, right? Yes. It's the law of, of reciprocity, okay? That's, that's what it's called. But, but here's the thing. Um, because this is such an inherent unspoken rule in all of us, then when it doesn't happen, we almost get offended, don't we? Like when I send the Christmas card and I don't get one back from them, I'm like, well, pfft, scratch them off next year's list, right? <laughs> or you, you know, you, you let someone into traffic and, you, you know, they come in and they don't give you the courtesy wave, you know? I feel like going, okay, that's the way we're going to play it. I'm going to just come right around you and get like right in front of you. It's, we almost get offended, don't we? In this Sunday school story, we're going to see a perfect example of this, of the rule of that word. David has yet to be made king. And now David this week, uh, for those of you, I'm using a flannel graph, right? So if you're new with us, we went back old school. I know in week one when we were talking about David and Goliath, this represented Goliath, but today it represents David. Okay, so David, this is before he's king, right? This is before he's king. He is actually on the run from King Saul at this particular time in his life. And he has about 400 men with him, okay? They come up on a group of, of, well, they actually belong to a guy. He's not a king, even though this guy's wearing a crown. I only have so much flannel graph characters to work with, all right? He is a, he is a, he's a land owner, and he's got lots of land. Well, he's got these, these guys who basically are watching, whoa, watching, watching the man's sheep, right? Right? 
And there comes a season, this is his wife right here, I know it looks like Mary, and I know it, she looks like she's pregnant, but she's not. All right, so this is, this is so, so Nabal actually has these guys, he's got about 3,000 sheep that they're watching, and there's this season when they're, because you know, they're moving the herd to graze where the grass is, right? And there's a season when it came time to shear the sheep. And so what had to happen was all of these guys had to stop kind of guarding the sheep. And we're not talking about just against wild animals, against people who would not only take the sheep, but raid them. And so, like, it was a hostile environment. And so at this particular season, David's men were out kind of, you know, going from town to town. They see these guys trying to, you know, shear the sheep but stay guard. These guys are like, you know what? Hey, you just take care of your business. We'll guard the place. We'll guard the place against wild animals. We'll guard the place against, you know, wild people. Like, we've got you. We got you. You guys take care of business. And they didn't ask for anything in return. They didn't ask for any money. They didn't ask for any provisions. They're like, hey, we're here. You're here. We'll just, we'll just keep guard for you, right? So that's, that's kind of what's going on. And we pick up the story in verse, chapter 25, verse 2. A certain man in Moan who had uh, property there in, in Carmel, was very wealthy. So we're talking about this guy, right? He's very wealthy. He's very wealthy. Um, he had 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. Carmel, Carmel. You say it, I say it. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was intelligent and a beautiful woman. Sounds like Miss Tyra right there. An intelligent and beautiful woman. Um, but her husband was surely and mean in his dealings. Uh, he was a celibate. Uh, while David was in the wilderness, he had heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Hey, go up to Nabal at, at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. So David's like, Hey, yeah, so they're back. Like the fella, they're back, they're sharing sheep. Hey, send some men over there and remind him, hey, remember when we did this for you last time? Like, we, we were friends, right? Good long life to you, good health to your household, and health to all that's yours. Verse 7 says, now I hear that this is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, in other words, when they came through our village, our part of town, we did not mistreat them, and the whole time that they were at Carmel, nothing, ha nothing of theirs was missing. So ask your own servants, and they'll tell you so. Therefore be, therefore, be favorable toward my men, since we came to you at this festive time. Please give your servants and your son, David, whatever you can find for them. In other words, these guys are they're kind of passing through. They're like, oh, yeah, remember when we helped those guys out? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll give us something to eat here. Maybe they'll, 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 they'll treat us favorably, right? We took care of you. Maybe you'll take care of us. It's the rule of reciprocity or whatever it is. Verse 9. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants. Listen to the way he responded. Who's this David? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? 
Verse 12, David's men turned around and went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word. David, uh, verse 13, David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. Right? Rule of reciprocity gone bad. This is it gone bad. Like no courtesy wave. What? All right. All right. Each of you. This is why why David is represented by Goliath today because he has a sword, right? He says, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. They're about to go kick some Nabal booty. That's what they're doing right here. And there will be times in life that people will say or do things to us and they will attempt, um, we will attempt to take matters into our own hands. And if we're not careful, we'll allow our hearts to get jaded. Let me just pause right here and say David was in the wrong in this moment. I know he was destined to be king. I know that God's favor was on him. But just because he didn't get his way doesn't mean you go and kill everybody in the village, right? And that's what's happening. Um, verse 14, one of, the servants girl, or one of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give your masters his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us the whole time we were out in the fields near them. Nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household He's such a wicked man, and no one can talk to him. And so the servants came, and they didn't plead with Nabal. They pleaded with Nabal's wife. And they're like, listen, you got to do something. Like David and his men, they were good. They They were a wall around us while we were herding our sheep. And they showed up, and they were just looking for some provisions. And our master, your husband hurled insults at them. And word on the street is, David and his men are on their way right here, right now. And I think as we read this story, I think there's a lot of us in the room who can probably relate to Abigail, especially some ladies. She desperately wants to serve God and care for people, and she shows love, but she's married to a husband who doesn't necessarily share the same passion for the things of God. And let's just be honest, it, it's, it's not just ladies. There's, there's, there's single men or married men who come to YPC and, and their spouse does not worship or pursue the things of God like they do. So here we go. In essence, Abigail's got a foot in both worlds, right? She's living with a man who doesn't love God, but she desperately wants to love God. Yeah. She's living with a person who just kind of spends his wealth on foolish living, but she actually wants to serve God and be generous to people. And I think several of us have a foot in both worlds. I mean, we come to church, and this is the way we want to live, and this is the way we want to be, but we got another foot in the marketplace. And sometimes whatever the marketplace says kind of goes, 
We have to kind of live by a code in the marketplace. And even though I'm a Christian and even though the marketplace doesn't always, you know, operate underneath my same values, I still have a foot in that world and I still have a foot in this church world as well. Some of us are believers and we have families who are unbelievers. And so again, I think a lot of us can relate with Abigail. Well, we kind of have this feeling of there's nothing really I can do about it, right? And so Abigail, she's got this kind of this piling up technique. It's coming from her husband. It's coming from her servants. Everybody knew who David was. But I want you to pay particular attention to how she responds, not only to her husband's actions, but how she responds to David. Without going into the whole story, she basically goes quickly because she's still the number two woman in the, in, the, in the house here, right? And she gets a bunch of food together. And the Bible goes into detail about all the food she put together. And she put it on donkeys. And she grabs servants of the house. And we would say employees. And she says, go ahead of me. Go ahead of me. You just start taking this out to David's men. They're on their way. We think they're coming this route. And so they do. And then... Um, she sets out and she's going to intercept and hopefully win favor in the eyes of David. And I think that's how a lot of us feel. We feel like we almost have to go extra. We almost have to do extra things when it comes to, you know, family or, or business or whatever it looks like in your world. There's people who are adamantly against your life that you're living right now, but yet you know this is who you're supposed to be. You may have a spouse who is teaching your children things that you don't want them to know and not teaching them or living them in a way that you do want them to live. You may have a spouse who is adamantly against you tithing or trusting God with your finances, but yet you know what God's Word says about it. You may have a spouse who says, why do you have to be there every single weekend? And yet you have something on the inside of you that is drawing you into worship. And you're always on this teeter-totter of what should you do, right? But here's the key. How you live in front of people will make all the difference in the world. How you live in front of your coworkers will make all the difference in the world. How you live in front of your spouse will make all the difference in the world. I know for us, when, um, when, when, when Tyra was, was younger... Um, her parents, uh, I've told this story before, but her parents didn't, she didn't, they didn't serve Jesus. They didn't go to church. And then her mom had a very life-altering experience with the Lord. Um, they admittedly both, they all, they went to the bars. That kind of was their life. They lived for that scene. And uh, when, when Tyra's mom had an encounter with the Lord, I mean, the family thought she was off a rocker. Right? She starts reading her Bible. Uh, I don't remember how, how quick she read it through, but she read it through several times in the expanse of about a month or two. Read the Bible completely through um, in the expanse of a month or two. Started going to church, and the family's looking at this woman who was different than the way that she used to be, but you know, couldn't put their finger on it. Like, what is up with her? Like, they thought she had just went off a rocker, right? Well, she just started living a certain way in front of them. Well, next thing you know, um, Tyra's father finds Jesus because of her, because of her life. He starts going to church. And then before you know it, the rest of the family comes along. 
and they start worshiping. How we live our lives is the biggest testimony to this Jesus thing that we're living. Amen, everyone? Are you with me? Amen. Back to the story. Um, When she found David and his men, they were in full charge. They were on the attack. Um, David had made this vow in verse 22. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male who will belong to Nabal, right? Not only is he saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to come for Nabal, I'm coming for his whole family. I'm coming for his whole, you know, his, all of his employees, everybody, right? And not only is Abigail fighting for herself and Nabal, she's fighting for all of the servants who work for them. And so she throws herself in front of these, this, this charging army of men in verse 24 The Bible says, she fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord, to the wicked man Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. Now, how many of us, pause for a second, how many of us would be willing to have a very hard and awkward conversation like that? So many of us, we, we would just rather kind of stay out of the situation and let the chips fall where they may. But she's like, someone's got to do something. Yeah. And so she steps up and she says, listen, just hear me out. Just hear me out. As for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. Um, And let this, this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. And then look what she says. Please forgive your servant's presumption. In other words, she's like, listen, um, forgive us. We didn't didn't know. We're we're sorry, right? The Lord your God will certainly make you a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles. She starts kind of encouraging him. She starts speaking to what she knows about him. She starts talking about what legend says about David and him being king someday. Because you fight the Lord's battle, No wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from uh, the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel. In other words, she's speaking to the fact, I know you're going to be king one day. When all that happens, what he's saying is, listen, David, you got a destiny. You're going to be king one day. And you're mad. And I know you're mad. Listen, we, I did not know that you guys were coming. But listen, don't make a mistake right here and potentially ruin what God has for you. She says, I know you're going to be appointed uh, ruler over Israel. My Lord will not have this on his conscience, the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. 
And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. In other words, listen, I know God's got a plan for you. Don't ruin it by just taking into your own hands what you are about to do in this second. Verse 32, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Notice David's attitude right here. This was not a thus saith the Lord. David, I want you to go down and I want you to, I want you to kick some Nabal booty. This was a thus saith David. Oh, no, he didn't. I'm going to go down and avenge for myself. I'll show him who's boss. How many times do we do that? How many times do things not go our way and so we avenge ourselves? We take matters into our own hands. Which brings me to my second thought right here. Have you ever made that statement, don't make a permanent decision based upon temporary circumstances? Look back in your life and ask yourself, how many times have I made a permanent decision based upon temporary circumstances? Another way of saying that is don't do something permanently stupid because you're temporarily upset. Amen. You know, a lot of couples walk out on marriages because they're temporarily upset. We feel like if someone crosses us, we have to stand up for ourselves. We have to fight and to honor our name, to honor our company, to honor our family. And listen, if they did me wrong, I'm going to do them wrong. And this is where people, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll go to all kinds of crazy extents. This is where people go on Facebook and start subtweeting people, right? They'll get up and they'll start saying, well, if this was me and this is what I would do, what are they doing? They're, 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 they're trying to stand up for themselves. So here's my question. What areas are you trying to take matters into your own hands today? Think about your life. What area are you trying to take matters into your own hands And the reason why I want to stop and pause and talk about this is because when we allow situations in our life to cause us to take matters into our own hands, it never, ever, ever turns out the way we want it to. It never turns out the way we want it to. And the byproduct of that is it messes with our heart. The Bible talks about the heart a lot. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart when they start telling a rumor in the office about you. Guard the heart when you hear co-workers talking about you. Guard your heart when you've got family or people who don't know the whole story trash-talking you to other family members. Guard your heart when, you know, you're part of a club of an organization and all of a sudden things aren't going the way you suggested that they should go. Guard your heart in those areas. The Bible says guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
probably one of my life verses. Ever since I was 17 years old and I saw this scripture, it was etched in my heart. And it's Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. What does that mean? Your hands aren't muddy because you did something about it. You're not the one slinging mud. You're not the one uh, defacing someone else. You're not the one who, what is it called? You can sue for defamation, right? It's because you're the one saying, well, I'll tell you what they did. Why do we do that? I can't tell you how many times someone has said something about us and we've just had to turn the other cheek. This is why the scripture says to do that. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. I'll give you an example. I think the statute of limitations is, applies here. Um, I had to learn this the hard way. When we launched this church, um, now we, we, we did it right. We, we, we connected with our pastor. Our pastor sent us out, um, and they, they, they supported us. Um, but there was a handful of people from our previous worship environment that we were a part of that essentially said when we left that we split that church wide open. Because when we left, there was a, a number of people who stopped worshiping there. And it wasn't because of us. I mean, we're talking about 2007 when Tyra and I moved to Oklahoma. The economy was upside down, and there was just a lot of stuff going on in the global church as a whole. And there was a lot of people who were leaving that church before we left. But when we left, there, there was this, this rumor going around just by a handful of people. They were leaders in our previous experience who said that Tyra and I split the church, and we took half the church to start Your Place Church. Can I tell you how many people we brought with us? We brought Taylor, we brought Taliana, yeah. and we brought Tyson with us. <laughs> That's who we brought with us from our, from our former church. A year later, um, Rachel Strange, who wasn't even going to that church, but originally was, followed. That's it. That's how many people came. But what happened was, because I started hearing Grumble, grumble, grumble. People accusing me. I let my heart get jaded in that moment. And instead of turning the other cheek, everybody from that church that I still talk to, I started to say unpleasant things about this group of leaders who was talking about us. And um, that was wrong. That was wrong. In fact, what really pushed me over the edge was these rumors that I had split the church got all the way back to my alma mater. And it was my alma mater was like, hey, word on the street is you split that church. And I'm like, I didn't split that church. There is nobody that came with me. We moved four and a half hours away. <laughs> it's not like we started a church across the town. Are you with me, friends? Yeah. Why are you telling this? Because I want to tell you, I had to walk through a very, very hard lesson in that moment. 
And it wasn't until months later that I dealt with it. And when I dealt with it, the byproduct of it is, is my hands were dirty. I did talk about things. And my, my heart was not pure. My heart was not clean in the situation. And it wasn't until months later that I actually heard the voice of God say, you need to fix this. You need to fix this. And a lot of times, that's worse than the damage we did when the Lord is like, you better fix this. And it took me driving back. I drove back one on, it was a Tuesday, I feel like. I drove all the way back to Topeka, and I met with the leadership of that church, and I sat down, and I bought them lunch. I came on my own, my own dime, and uh, I bought them lunch, and I sat down, and I said this to them. I said, listen, if there is anything that I have done to offend you, I am so, so sorry. And really what it all started is they were talking about me. They were talking about what we were doing. And I didn't feel like I was in the wrong, but in this moment I said, listen, I am, I am so sorry if there's anything I've ever done to offend you. And in that moment, the leadership of the church looked at me and said, Darian, we're sorry. We're the ones that started that. We're the ones that did this. It was our fault. I think we were just hurt. We know you didn't split the church. We know you didn't take the, the, uh, like a handful of people with you. We know that. I think we just felt uh, kind of in a corner, and you were our scapegoat. And I'm telling you, that one meeting right there changed everything. Because previously to that, I mean, your place church was kind of bumping along. But when I dealt with my heart, man, this thing went high and to the right. Like God began to move. Why? Because my heart was, was right. This is what Abigail's doing in this moment. And you'll find that there's an underlining theme in every one of the Sunday school lessons that we've taught so far. And that underlining theme is when you genuinely take ownership of yourself, God always fights your battles. Yeah, come on. He always fights your battles. Verse 36, when Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the household holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. She told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him, or his wife told him all these things. And basically, she, she, she caught him. I'm sure he had a little bit of a hangover and said, hey, just so you know, David and his men were on their way to kill us all because of your attitude and because of how you treated him, Right? Um, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. In other words, he kind of he like had that sobering moment. Oh, my gosh. Verse 38 says, about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. He died. And I'm not saying that God's going to strike all your enemies dead, but what I have noticed is when we can keep our, our heart clean, and when we can keep our hands pure, when the dust settles from whatever the situation you're going through is, you will be on top of the pile and you will have your foot on the, on the throat of the devil. 
If you can keep your, your heart pure and your hands clean. If you can just not get involved in the situation. And here's the thing, friends, and this is the hardest thing for all of us to do. To genuinely trust God. Yeah, come on. To genuinely trust God. And we have a tough time trusting God, don't we? Because we know He's a generous God. We know He's a loving God. And we don't think these people deserve generosity or to be loving. And because he's so loving, he's not going to deal with them the way that I would deal with them. And they need to be dealt with the way that I need to deal with them. Right? What, trusting God in your situation of life will be one of the hardest things that you do, but it will be the best thing that yes. you will ever Come do. On. Amen, everyone? Amen. Actually trusting God with your situation makes so much, so much of a difference. Now, don't make... Don't hear what I'm not saying. It doesn't mean trusting God means you're a coward. It doesn't mean you're showing weakness. It doesn't mean you're even allowing someone to get away with walking all over you. Trust means something happens on a spiritual level when you release this to God. Trusting God takes effort. Just like forgiveness takes effort. Just like humility takes effort. Amen? The end of that story, when I went and I spent time with, with that leadership, and we had a moment where we could just have a conversation. Sometimes, most of us in the room, we just don't want to have the conversation. We would just as soon vent about it on social media. But if you can just sit down and have a conversation with people, a very hard and awkward conversation at times, and just trust God with the outcome, you'll be surprised at what happens. Yeah. We... We're on good terms. The leadership there dealt with the people who were talking about it. My alma mater found out that we didn't split the church, that we actually didn't bring anybody, that we actually left on really good terms, that our pastor actually supported us in launching this church. All of a sudden, it was almost as if the veil ripped. Our attendance at Your Place Church started to go through the roof. People's lives started to get changed. We started seeing miracles. If I would have allowed that offense to fester in my heart, we would not be where we are today. That's good. Come on. Amen? Amen? What areas in your life are you not trusting God with? What area in your life are you taking matters into your own hands? Amen? Amen? And let me tell you how you do this in real time. None of this is in my notes, by the way. The story of Abigail, that's in my notes. Let me tell you how you do this in real time. When you've got the email written. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Bold. Attachment, picture, 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 picture. And you're hovering over the send button. That's the moment. That's the moment. Lord, is this what you want me to do? And if you can, if you can in that moment, just, okay, so like erase, erase the send, like who you're sending it to, and just kind of keep the email. You can just save it if you want to. Because some, some of you, that's all you had to do. You just had to write the email. Hmm. Mm. No, say it this way. Delete, delete, delete. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
erase the sin too because I've done it before where I've done that and then accidentally when I went to delete it, I sent it. <laughs> Lesson number two. Don't add the email address while you're, mm, right? Save it. And the reason why you save it is because you come back. Don't let a temporary situation cause a permanent decision. Because I, I've always come back after the fact, and I've, and I've looked at those emails, and I was like, oh, dear Lord, thank you, for not, thank you for not letting me send that. Thank you for not letting me send that. On social media, how do you do this in real time? Father, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving, and here's, here's how you know you gave it to him. You don't care how it turns out. You don't, you're, not, you're not role-playing the scenario in your head of what's going to happen. When you give it to the Lord, Lord, I've just given this to you. I'm giving this to you. And I'm telling you, he always comes through in the end. Yeah. Amen, everyone. Yeah. <clears throat> Verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord who... <laughs> He's a real dude, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Oh, he's dead? Praise God. Right? Uh, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt? He has kept his servant from doing wrong and brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. In other words, I didn't even have to get involved. I didn't even have to get involved. Um, then David sent word to Abigail asking her to become his wife. <laughs> In this lens, it's, it feels very, I think probably what happened in this scenario <laughs> was he was impressed with her character. Yeah, come on. He was impressed with how she stood up. Yeah. And listen, ladies, there's something attractive to a man about a woman who will stand up for what's right and who will do the right thing. And so what happened in this situation is like, well, that guy's dead. I kind of feel bad for her. I may have, may not have been somewhat responsible for this. Um, in, in Bible days, you know, you could have multiple wives. I don't recommend that now. Um, sometimes the rule of reciprocity is not repaid by who we think it should be repaid by. God always makes it right. We always win if we can keep our hearts pure and our hands clean. Amen? Amen. So here's my question as we pray, and uh, I turn you loose this weekend. First of all, in your Bible, Abigail, been there the whole time. Um, what areas do you need to turn over to the Lord today? Amen? So I'm just going to pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Father God, that you are a God who leads and speaks to us through your word. And Lord, we live in a fallen world. There are things that happen to us and around us, Father God, that are not what we would prefer. In fact, Father, if, if we're going to be truly honest, there are things, there are people out there who just, they're just flat evil. And there's been things said or things done or things not said and not done. Father, that we feel like, if we're going to be honest, 
something should be said and done about it. But Lord, we know that that very act in and of itself would be us taking matters into our own hands. And Lord, we know that there are times when we should step in, but those times are only when we're prompted by your Holy Spirit. And those times are only when our heart is in a safe place. So Father, we're asking you right now, if there's any area in our lives, Father, that, that we're taking matters into our own hands, if we're trying to force something, if we're trying to do something that's not your plan or your will, Father, we give you permission in this moment to just shine a light in that area of our life. And Father, create this space, which is this moment, Father, where we can genuinely give that back to you. And right now, if you're in the room, if there's some, some area in your life that you have failed to give to the Lord, I just, I'm just encouraging you to do that. And I'm going to lead you in how to do that. First of all, don't worry about how the thing's going to come out. Stop role-playing scenarios. And I just simply want you to do this. I just simply want you to say in your heart, Lord, I give this situation to you. It's outcomes, uh, the truth, and how I look in this situation. I give this to you. And I'm trusting you that when the dust settles, your favor is still on me. Lord, I thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.